everybody help me say thank you to our worship team and our volunteers, hospitality, children, all the things. Everybody's doing a good job. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? <laughs> the study of the Ten Commandments. This is going to be our January series. It's going to take us for a few weeks. Uh, heads up, if you're wondering when we're going back to Acts, we'll be right after Easter. We'll hit. We'll get back to Spirit-filled Church. We'll pick it up in Chapter 11. It'll be just like we where we left off. But for the next few weeks, we're going to be leaning into this this short series. And one of the reasons why. Uh, uh, the artwork is a little different, and 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 our uh, our 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 wonderful team G did a, did a cool intro there. Was to um, to try to shake off the sense of familiarity with the Ten Commandments, because typically, if I suppose um, uh, I suppose it, if you've been around church for a minute and you thought, well, you're going to have an image or something or a, a promo for the Ten Commandments series. Thank you, baby. Uh, you might think, oh, um, certainly there would be a big mountain or sand or, uh, you know, tablets, which is fine. Or, and Mrs. Daphne, or maybe a giant Bible, something, and something that would, that, that would just seem familiar. And what we want to do, what I will hope to accomplish by the Spirit of God is to, is to shake off the familiarity with this topic that, that because of the familiarity, uh, it begins to lack significance and impact in our life. So what is love, a study of the Ten Commandments? So your first question might be, hey, Daph, yeah, what do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? Well, according to Jesus, everything. In Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 36, man came up to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? I'm reading from the New Living. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then here, in the fashion that Jesus does as he's teaching, there's this, uh, we call it the punchline. It's not a joke, but it's the, it's the oish at the end. The entire law and all the prophets are based on these two commands. <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to say, hey, Dab, yeah, all right, what do you mean? And I didn't say it, but Jesus did. Hey, what do you, the law and the prophets are based on love? You might say to me, hey, Dab, have you read them? <sighs> yeah. Well, if we slow down just a little bit, we can see how clear this is. First of all, we're talking about the law. And 
primarily when Jesus is referring to this and, and other New Testament writers, what we are primarily talking about is the Ten Commandments. Someone say the Decalogue. The Decalogue. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, there's the, in, the, in the Ark of the Covenant was a, were tablets. There was a reason why these ten words is the better translation, but these ten commands were put on stone tablets. There's a sense of permanency and unchangingness to them. Uh, now, and then the, the, the rest, so, and then what follows the Decalogue, given at Sinai, what follows that is uh, the, the, these laws, these, these explanations, all of them are tied in one way or another to one or to a combination of these commands. So, you know, when there's a command about how far to walk on the Sabbath or how much wood you can gather, those aren't random independent ideas. They are explanations. They are applic- So it would be like the law would say that in the Ten Commandments, here's the law, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. You might say, well, how do I do that? Well, then there's, there's explanation, there's application of that. And so on all of these statements, especially if you read through, the, read through like Deuteronomy, you hear about how to treat people and how to do this and how to do that. These aren't, these aren't uh, uh, ancillary appendices, also statements. It's not like God gives the Ten Commandments and then says, well, now that that's over, let me tell you what else I think. No, no, no. They are, they are I don't want to say echoes, they're, but they are, all of the rest are, uh, express that. It's kind of like, and it's not exactly like, but it's kind of like the United States. Stay with me. We are, we are a constitutional republic. That means we have a constitution that, in theory, doesn't change much. <laughs> Got to be careful of this place. You guys get out your pistols, start shooting. Uh, in theory, doesn't change much. But then you have, and then you have laws that, are, that apply what is constitutional. And so, when, when, so primarily when we're talking about the law, we're talking about the Decalogue. And the prophets, here's the really fun thing. The prophets... Are, they, they aren't just hall monitors out there just giving out bad passes. Hey, 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 wrong, hey, bad, mad at you. No, no. Prophets are covenant callers. Say that lap phrase with me, will you? Covenant callers. It would, be, it would do my heart so happy if everyone would retain that and think, oh, that's what a, a prophet is. Not a fortune teller, but, but a covenant caller. And so a covenant caller is this. Here's you. Here's the covenant. Live accordingly. Adjust accordingly. And so the prophets, what they would do is they would call, they would, they would identify the principles of the covenant and then call people to live accordingly. And the fiercest warnings the prophets gave were all because of lovelessness. Because they, they, were in, they were living outside of the commands of the Decalogue. They, when the prophets rebuked the people, they didn't say, you, oh, you who have boiled a goat in its mother's milk. No, it was about immorality, idolatry, oppression, everything that's connected to the Decalogue. And this is where Jesus comes on the scene and confronts his audience's familiarity 
with the Decalogue, with the Ten Commandments. They misunderstood or had dismissed or had found a way around, but he comes on the scene to tell us just how magnificent and thorough these are. He'll say, you've heard it said, do not murder. And essentially, like his audience, many of us can say, check, haven't killed anybody lately, I'm doing good. I've harbored, but I've, I've harbored resentment and anger in my heart. I've murmured and spoken grotesque and contemptible things about people, but haven't killed anybody. And Jesus said, you've missed the point. Each of these are like Trying to, I don't want to say, I don't want to say radiation because that sounds scary, but they just, they are, they throb, they resonate with life and truth. So Jesus said, you don't understand, when, he, when the Lord says, don't murder, he's talking about the value of life. And when that valuing life begins here and comes out here, way before it gets right there. So you've heard, of, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And they're like, great, check, no adultery here. I mean, I've got a whole catalog of porn, but I'm safe from the whole adultery thing. No, Jesus said, you've missed the point. There is that human sexuality is sacred and begins here. Therefore, Jesus said, friends, <laughs> I haven't come to abolish anything. I've come to fulfill it. And really to lead you and I into living in the fullness of the love of God. Love has everything to do with the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments show us what love looks like. The first four are Godward. I mean, this is maybe a simple way of, of explaining it. I don't think these are absolute necessarily, but because they think they're all Godward as well. But the first four are definitely focused Godward. We sometimes they're called the vertical commandments. Have no other God. Don't make any images or idols. Do not misuse or take the name of the Lord God in vain. Honor his Sabbath. Or in other words, as Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Now, sometimes folks get excited and they want to dissect that. What does it mean to love the Lord with your heart versus your soul versus your mind? Make sure you don't leave one out, you know, all that stuff. And, and, they, and that's all fine as long as they get to the end, the, the real end result. Why does Jesus say, why is the command, your, all your heart, your soul, your mind? Meaning there is, well, I guess I don't have to love with my body. No, no, because there is the strength in there too, actually, in the original text. The idea is that, that love for God is to encompass, is to capture the whole of our lives. We are to love God with all of our lives. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Someone say first and greatest. <laughs> Here's the deal. Some folks uh, might want to just scoot around the first one and just do the second one. Love for God, that's okay. Love for God, eh. What I really, I just, I'm more of a people person. You know, I really love for God. I love God, but boy, I really want to love people. Here, here's the problem. If you skip the first commandment, you will pervert the second. 
you will pervert it. We can only love people rightly, purely, wholly, justly in the context of a genuine love for God. We don't get to skip it. The next six are others' word. Honoring your father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, don't covet. Or as Jesus said, a second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as Paul will say later in the book of Romans, Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. I kind of like that. I mean, I appreciate being debt-free, right? And it's not that I... It's not that it's necessarily healthy to, to consider love for someone a debt that I have to pay. Like, no, okay. But, but the idea is that I've never, I've never loved Sam enough. It's ne- I never get to stop. I never get to stop loving John Kramer. Doesn't give me any reason to. My wife never gets to stop loving me, <laughs> irrespective of the many opportunities. <laughs> if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. Now, here's Paul. For the commandments say, now he's going to address these, these the, the, I don't want to say the lower six. I don't mean to categorize them, but the the more horizontal ones. You must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Furthermore, love for God and love for others cannot be separated we said a moment ago, we can't, we, the first, there, there is one, the first and the greatest is the first and greatest. But lo, our, our love for one another is rooted and guided and governed by our love for God. But in the same way, love for God is genuine only if and how we love others. This, this, on the same way, we can flip the coin and say, you know what, I'm a big fan of God. I like him a lot, but people, I don't care for them. I like God, but people, not so much. James says, well, I know. But James says, how can you say that you love God whom you can't see if you show contempt or despise or hatred for the brother or sister that you can? Love for God is genuine only if and how we love one another. So the idea, when, we, when people say, well, you know, love wins, that they are right, but, they don't, but, that, but not sentiment, not feeling. Love is fundamentally righteous. Love is fundamentally righteous. It is righteous, and it does righteous things. To love my neighbor means more than to host some happy, warm fuzzy about them. It means I don't steal their lawnmower. I don't keep their stuff unless it's okay. <laughs> if you keep their stuff long enough that they ask to borrow their something, 
you know you've kept it a while. <laughs> Love for my neighbor means I don't run them over. I don't shoot them. I don't paint on their property. There's a whole bunch. You see, love means something. And if we practice love the way God intends, it makes not just for a happy culture, it makes for a just culture. God's love wins. The love for God and the love of God. Furthermore, love for God and love for others is based, all of it, on love from God. All of it. It's all based on love from God. No one earns God's love. Oh. So many folks have spent far too many years trying. You're already loved. You don't, you cannot start loving God or loving others. Not really, not genuinely. Until you know. And Paul says it's not something that we can really know. We have to really begin to experience it. You're loved by God. You are loved by God. You begin to experience the wholeness and the healing. You are loved by God. No one earns his love. And no one is saved by observing commandments. I know, so many bumper sticker things people have said and taught over the years. And whenever someone wants to feel like they need to exalt the New Testament, someone will say, well, I'm so glad we're not in that Old Testament. You know, works. You know, saved by law. You aren't saved by the law and neither were they. Nobody ever has been. <laughs> we are saved by grace through faith. And they were saved the same way. Just look at Exodus 20. At the very beginning, here's the Ten Commandments. Here they are, stone tablets. Are you ready? Here's the beginning as God introduces it. Oh, boy, here comes the list. Here's how he starts. I am the Lord who rescued you. You have been saved. Let's let, let him finish the sentence. I am the Lord who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. I chose you. I found you in slavery. I found you in darkness. I found you in bondage. I pulled you out of my own initiative, and my own affection, my own desire. Wow. We were saved the same way. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And 1 John four nineteen, We love because he first loved us. 
Now, let me give you just a little bit of fun with grammar there. Some of the translators of 1 John, uh, and, and you might read differently in your Bible or in your footnotes or if you're with somebody and they've got an NIV and someone else has got an NASB or an NLT or TLB or CEB or, or TP, TPT. Sounds like TP. Anyway, uh, uh, there might be a different note in there, and some of your Bibles might say, we love others because God first loved us. So your Bible might say, well, we love God because he first loved us. That's because the translators can't decide what, what the Greek is there, the language, the history, whether, the, whether John is saying we love others because God first loved us or we love God because he first loved us. Guess, I, and I love that conflict. I'm so glad for that tension because we don't have to choose. Yay! We love Period. Because God, for, whether it's love for God or love for others, it is all predicated and made possible and empowered by the love of God for us. We live in the echo of grace. Grace is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace is active. It is causative. It affects us. We live differently because of grace. Grace doesn't, just, grace doesn't come and just affirm all of our opinions and our actions. Grace affirms and accepts us, and then grace transforms us. Living in the echo of grace looks like something. We can see what it looks like in the Ten Commandments, what it means to live in the echo of grace. So as we lean into these, I, want, I hope that we will feel, that we will believe, that we will see that each of these commands is magnificent in prescribing and describing profound love. Yeah. We will maintain with absolute certainty that none of these commands may be weaponized to condemn. Each of these are a beacon of light to all who seek to do what is right. And they are a corrective. They are a corrective to and a preventative of sin, of evil, of injustice. Now, I don't like to be one of those guys that says something like, well, now more than ever before. You know, like, it's now, it's worse today than it's ever been before. What hubris is that? You know, if you ask some of the folks in uh, Europe in World War II, they might say, you know, we had it rough. You guys have any bombs dropping on your house today? Okay. But we can make some other arguments that might compel us toward intensity. Number one, we are indeed closer today to the return of the Lord Jesus than we ever have been. So in that regard, it's serious. It's more serious now than ever before. Right? 
And I think we can fairly recognize that throughout history, the pendulum of weirdness, of moral decay, goes in society. And there are times where, it, where the temperature outside registers weird. Where it registers corrupt. Where it almost seems like we're being, like there's almost a flood of it. So it's fair to say that maybe not now more than ever, but certainly now as much as ever, we need to be people of righteousness. People who walk in, 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 in profound and reverent love for God and genuine holy love for others. This is how we are salt and light, how we prevent decay and push back darkness. And if I am just preaching to the choir, then sing better. (laughs) Or sing louder. Just sing. They are a beacon of light and they are a corrective and a preventative. And you living like this, this is, I don't, not trying to be overly dramatic, but you and I living like this is the only hope this world has. So we will gaze reverently into this, into the Decalogue, into these commands. We will we will let their profound wisdom confirm our convictions. We will let them correct our course. We will ask them to inform our ethics and to show us what love really is. Will you do that? Will we do it together? Will we take these next few weeks and lean into this time? Will you let the grace of God lead you to love God and to love others? Of all the times that I'm rhetorical, it's not now. Will you let the grace of God lead you to love God and to love others? Will we, will you, with everyone around you, will you lean in to learn what love looks like? Let's pray together. Lord, we want to love you wholly, and we want to love others truly. Lord, we recognize that to begin at all, we must submit to your love completely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish have everlasting life. 
Paul would later write that hope does not disappointment disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is the love of God that will save you and keep you. The love of God saves you and keeps you. I'm going to ask us, some folks say, why do we close our eyes when we pray? Well, because it, sometimes it turns on our, 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 our inside, the screen of our heart. Let's God speak to us outside of just what we can just see around us. Would you do that? Maybe bow your heads. Close your eyes just for a moment. Let God talk to you. For God so loved you that he sent his son to save you. God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit into your life to flood your heart with his love. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to save you of your sin, you don't have to beg or plead. It's a free gift. But he won't force it on you. If you've never said, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin, I repent of it, I turn to you. Because of your love, save me from my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for Jesus now and forever. You don't have to say certain words or a certain phrase. It's, there's no formulas here. It's faith. I want to give you opportunity right now. Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. Save me from my sin. Holy Spirit, come and fill me right now with the righteous love of God. And all of us in this room, All of us in this room should feel like you're a candidate to say, Lord, fill me today with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit today. Let the love of God fill and compel my life. Let me know today that I am profoundly loved by God. Profoundly loved. Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would grant us the grace to listen and to learn and that by your Spirit you would cleanse us and anoint us to live as we should by the grace of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name.
you'd like to stand and sing it, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And I live my offer you a sacrifice, a gift of our affection today. Or because of your love for us, we will love you and we will love others. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, somebody said amen. amen. Hey, if you still need prayer, would like someone to pray with you or for you, we would love for you to come and join us here at the front to pray for you. If you want to chat or whatever else, we'll find you in the cafe, we'll find you in the, in the lobby. Lord bless you. Be kind to somebody on your way. Thanks for being here today. Where you go, we go.